0: Sir step away from the microphone, step away from the microphone, you do not have the right to create anything, anything you do create will be completely ignored, you do not have the right to be paid, you are paid and you are sold out and your work is no longer credible, you understand your rights are read to you, With these rights in mind you still want to be an artist, yes. Welcome to uh, The Impostor Rules, uh, brand new podcast. I'm Mike Chisholm, and with me today is my host, Charlie Omrod. Hello, how's Hello. it going? Hello,
1: pretty good, exciting stuff. We've been wanting to do this for such a long time. We and have. And it's finally happening.
0: We've uh, been talking about this for a good few months, and then... Uh, a ton of other ideas before that. And I guess the idea was kind of born out of another show that we do called From the Mic Sand, and we basically spent half the show just chatting about a whole host of different creative ideas rather than my new book.
1: <laughs> yes, it's not so much about the the products that either, either you know, your book or somebody's EP or something. It, it's a lot about where did that come from in the first mm. place. And that's where the interesting stuff is. Obviously, the, the, the music is interesting, the words are interesting but how did it all happen? Exactly, and
0: we're quite, I guess, jobbing creatives. I run a music (laughs) blog and I do some writing and I do some guitar and Charles plays a lot of piano um, and I'm sure other things. It's basically anyone can be a creative and it's the day-to-day creative things and challenges that we find that really interest me and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, how do I even start?
1: Yeah, where do you begin? Because um, part of the, the thing is, I think we'll be talking about either in this episode or a future episodes, is do you create for yourself? Do you need people to tell you, not tell you what to do, but commission something from you hmm. in order to generate ideas? Or are you best just sitting in a box or a cave somewhere, <laughs> you know, up a mountain, up a tree, or a, tree coffee, house, shop. Or a coffee shop, and uh, generating your own ideas?
0: Yeah, Definitely. So yeah, we decided to do this podcast, The Imposterables, and it's basically because at times everyone also feels a bit like an imposter, like, I've been working in the creative industry for 10 years, but I still, at times I'm like, who am I to be doing this, really?
1: Yeah, and that's that's the question for this episode, isn't it? Who are we to be doing this podcast, Mm. in fact? Do we have any qualifications that uh, enable us to do it? And we're also saying to anybody who's listening, this idea that you're not a creative person, perhaps, Mm. is emphatically not true. Hmm. Like, that just isn't true.
0: The only way you get good at being creative at anything is being incredibly bad at it for a long time.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And the only reason I think I'm still a creative person is the sheer stubbornness (laughs) not to give up (laughs) and just throwing the towel at time.
1: When you get stuck against a certain issue where you, you're not good enough at doing something mm. in a you know, particular way, you have to divert yourself and find another way around it because otherwise you're just going to get completely fed up with it yeah. and bin yeah. it off. Mind you, there are creatives I know who are working on a project that they put everything into, they think mm. it's wonderful... And then for some reason it all falls apart and yeah, they like, oh, it's a stupid <laughs> idea anyway. They chuck it in the bin and work on something else. And then they come back to it about a decade later and go, mm. oh, that was quite a good idea, actually. And then yeah, finally turn it into I'm something. I'm
0: pretty sure that happened uh, with Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book. That was like one idea that he had. Oh, Yes from like decades back and then he brought it because he didn't know how to write it at the time and yeah I've got ideas for the starts of about 20 books and they've not gone anywhere so.
1: <laughs> but something something Neil Gaiman's um, also said is that he writes he doesn't necessarily write a book at a time hmm. he does write 20 books yeah. at a time but only doing whatever feels most natural what has the least resistance hmm. along the way up until a point where you realize you have to work at it like in order to get this to move you really have to work and
0: Another thing is, you don't actually know... As a creative person yourself, you sometimes think, oh, that bit of work I wrote was absolutely brilliant. And then you look at it three weeks later and it's terrible. But you don't know what's actually going to resound with an audience or resound with the public until you, like, get it out there and share it with them. I, I saw a comic post from this uh, comic artist I quite like, Nathan Pyle. He does those strange planet comics where it's, like, two little aliens and they have, like, really basic oh, yes. conversations. Yes. And he was saying that that idea really took off. But before he did that, he did a, a new comic called Dolph Luck Bones, The Fishery Mystery. So it's basically like about a dolphin <laughs> who investigated crimes under the sea. And that that idea never took off. The idea just kind of fell by the wayside. And that happens with creative ideas, because that, that could be your passion project and then some other random thing from it's left field.
1: Because the, the Alien comics are so simple. Mm, they're, they're, they're so... They're, idiotically simple yeah. <laughs> compared with mm. a dolphin who who solves crimes which is always going to be a rather intricate and well i think you have the same
0: deaf tone it just mm. didn't have the the hook maybe that grabbed
1: everyone it's so strange but i think what you um mentioned before was essentially the point to this whole podcast mm. series which is who are you are you making this for like when you when you put an idea out and it does catch and people do take to it, is that enough to give you the credibility? Hmm. Because you were still the same person producing similar kind of stuff before you did that. So are you the imposter when you've created it and got an audience who's following you, or are you you the imposter as somebody who creates stuff and hasn't got the following? Creating inverted commas, the wrong thing, the thing that's not. Yeah, definitely. Working. I mean
0: also like once you've created something they expect you to just churn out the same thing again the next time a lot of people kind of put out one album or one book and then the next book is pretty much if it's a sequel to that it's pretty much similar vein as well you yes, don't get um, you lose a lot of freedom i think once you actually made something
1: i i think that's actually a lot to do with the marketing side of things though yeah. because the the marketing <laughs> Um, for these things is absolutely relentless. Mm. So they, once they know something works they won't gamble anymore. Like they've they found a formula. Like the, I don't know, the Harry Potter franchise for example. Mm. They know that works. So they're just going to keep making Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is and it might be <laughs> rubbish. But they know that they have a following of millions of people who are going to buy it regardless, so there will be income. Um, This is going to be, particularly now, is a good time to be talking about this because the theatre industry, for example, is going to be in a pickle soon because they just need to get people in, paying money to see shows. So the only shows they're going to put on are Mamma Mia and Les Miserables (laughs) and all those (laughs) things that they know are, well, rubbish, in, in my opinion. They're not... Avant-garde, shall we say, yeah. and all the new and interesting and avant-garde stuff that is genuinely creative and that's pulling on all the the new and recent ideas is going to get swept away, possibly for years to come, because it won't necessarily generate the income. It's too much of a gamble.
0: Yeah, there've been uh, so many shows due to the coronavirus just pulled for lack of
1: funding, hasn't there? I know it's 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 terrible. It's such a shame. It was also inevitable mm. in many ways. And a lot of self-funded projects are just going to have to work, Mm. essentially. Whether that means that, I mean, I don't know whether this is even an answerable question, but people have had more time to think about things over the past year or so. Have they put that time into creating stuff or have they lost momentum i think it depends from
0: person to person like at times i felt that i've not been creative at all and then i wrote a list of all the poems i'd written and i'd written 20 odd poems and i thought oh yeah i've actually done quite a lot and i've released this book whereas some people i spoken spoken to they've said oh i've not written a word or i just can't function at the moment i can't think at the moment and i also wonder like after this is all done, do I want to be reading poems about being isolated in my room? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you, you do have a certain timeliness to consider, yeah. don't you, when you're making stuff. This is the sort of event that will... Obviously, we're not just going to forget about it forever, you know, in a few decades. Mm. We, we will look back on it and see what oh, we can yeah, learn definitely. see what was what was created during that time partly as a result of you know when when you're studying history at school and they ask you to look at the evidence and the sources <laughs> and they're saying so is this a good piece of evidence about what life was really like mm. during 2020 or you know is it in some way skewed by the artistic nature of the thing but i think the the poetry and the music the the, the creative work that comes out of it is the most honest and accurate picture of what's going on a lot of the time. First stuff that isn't just plain news, plain facts. What people actually felt about it will be in the culture, won't it?
0: Yeah, plus I'm really hoping that once the pandemic's gone down, that there is a massive boom towards the creative industry, (laughs) like a massive push towards the creative industry, because a lot of people have spent so many hours watching television and listening to music just to kind of get by and survive so I hope there's like a massive push for people to come out and support the arts and buy more books and go to more concerts and things
1: yes and I think there has been actually hmm. um, first of all people realise what they've been missing, it's if yeah. they did anyway hmm. and they, they appreciated it certainly then but they missed it quite terribly when it wasn't there but the, there's the also the other effects of it like the music streams for example yeah. which was there was more music streamed than ever mm. in 2020 but the money that artists actually made from it was pathetic yeah, because most point. of it came through spotify and, and you know other platforms which don't pay the artists so there's this been there's been the the broken record campaign mm. by a fellow called tom gray to Redress this and have what is, uh, is called equitable remuneration, which is really hard to say if you've had a couple of coffees <laughs> and uh, <laughs> new songs going all over the place. E- equitable remuneration so that artists do get paid fairly for all of this stuff that's been consumed and genuinely enjoyed for the past few months.
0: Yeah, definitely. That is quite a big question, I think, for a lot of creatives is who am I going to be doing this because I get paid barely a cent. Don't get for it, paid, you yeah. know.
1: <laughs> And if you're not getting paid for it, is that the question of validity mm. is a more subtle one, but it's still important. Like, do people have to give, like, like your poem says, in fact, mm. do people have to give you money to justify, you know, to to really show that they enjoy your work?
0: Yeah, well, I definitely question the validity of artisticos at times because that makes five dollars a month. <laughs> So um, the amount of hours I put into it each week is staggering compared to the amount of money it makes at the
1: moment. But but your readers get some really good stuff out of it. And
0: other creatives as well, because it's a... If you don't know, Osakos is a website that I run, and it's basically supporting unsigned creatives and unsigned musicians. Yeah, but no, it doesn't make a penny. (laughs) It probably makes negative 300 quid a year
1: or something, (laughs) so... (laughs) But it's not one of those hobbies that makes an outright loss. Because hobbies, musicians, for yeah. example, will spend an awful lot of money on mm-hmm. gear, equipment, travelling, and not expect to get that money back. Yeah, definitely. And they are just doing it for the the fun of it. Yeah. And many of them don't even intend to get better at their musicality. Yeah. They don't intend to pr- improve their musicianship in any way. And it is just for the fun of it. That is, in some ways, that's the most honest, inverted commas, way of, of performing you're not expecting anything out mm. of it but then again if, if I'm perfectly honest I don't expect anything out of my music either like I am totally okay with the concept of being a penniless musician yeah because <laughs> mm. it's quite funny when well it wasn't at the time when it was in <laughs> sixth form and they were asking me like what do you want to do for a career and I said I want to be a musician mm. and they said there's no money in music that's fine I'm going to be a musician. And <laughs> yeah. they, they kept saying, yeah, but you don't understand, you won't be able to make a living as a musician. And I was saying, I don't want to make a living, I want to be a musician. Mm. And this kind of went around in circles for a long time.
0: Yeah, I think it's the fundamentally broken part of our economy, isn't it? That you can't just live as a musician. and Because so many people adore musicians' works and they adore... Artists work and the plays and TV shows that you can't basically fundamentally you can't live as a musician or an artist unless you're incredibly famous. Basically,
1: essentially, yeah, yeah, and and it doesn't help that people like my careers advisor are simply perpetuating the fact mm. that not only can you not live as a musician, you shouldn't expect to give anything to the creative is it, industries. Is
0: it in uh, Holland? That you can mm-hmm. actually live as a musician for a year or something, and
1: I don't know. What? Tell me more. Sorry, I, don't I know, like the idea of. I don't know much more, more than this fact. <laughs> so I'll have to share it on a, another podcast. But I've read
0: somewhere that in one country you can get a like a special grant from the government where you live as a musician for a year or an artist for a year and Whoa. just
1: create work, which sounds like a is really good it's kind of patronage isn't it yeah basically a government-funded patronage mm. that is rather wonderful i mean i suppose we have arts council grants mm. which aren't quite the same yeah but they're they're along the same sort of lines
0: i suppose um. going on to patronage we were talking about how i get paid for a second like, is that through patreon mm. and yes it does seem like it could be the ideal way to get paid as an ice but then you read into it and they say that or is it 90 percent of the creators on there earn less than the living wage or
1: something crazy like that that doesn't surprise me but then also a lot of creatives are bothered about creating stuff they're not bothered about marketing it yeah well they might be bothered about it but they they don't know how to Mm. it's an entirely different skill and it's only really the the people who make good stuff and know how to sell it who do particularly well at it. In my case, I make I make a little bit of money off of mm. Patreon like it's enough that I can reinvest that back into my business yeah. and you know buy some lovely new equipment I can I'm going to be paying for services for a chap who can actually help me mm. grow my my Patreon business through it like it generates enough for that, but I couldn't live off it mm. yet. And I think that's that's more the point there, really. But then that kind of f- feeds back into the, the previous point of creating stuff for other people. Like, if those patrons are happy to pay you money every month for whatever you produce, like, regardless of what you do, they just yeah. want to see what you make. Well, I think that's the,
0: the whole point of Patreon is supposed to be that they trust you as an artist and... Yes. They like your work so that they will fund whatever you want they to do. They fund whatever you want
1: which is just wonderful. Mm. Um, as a concept,
0: it's beautiful. It is. I do like it as a concept. Yeah. I, I was a bit harsh on its being with because that is. I wanted the reality first before <laughs> you start like, <laughs> saying how great a compass, concept it is. And the reality is skewed a bit because anyone can create a Patreon, so there must be a ton mm. of Patreons out there with, like, with the amount I put on there because I don't really I've not really invested much time into it yet other than cross-posting
1: yeah yeah it's, it's one thing to just post stuff but unless you're telling people that you're posting it mm. um it, it's just the same actually as these you know remarkable creatives who are working from their you know bedrooms or studios yeah. whatever making lots and lots of stuff but nobody knows about mm. it and the the depth of like insight they have into their own work is incredible but in context of like the rest of the world they mm. don't necessarily know anything like there's, there's a couple of musicians i know who have worked extremely hard on their own mm. music their own songs and when they say oh can you play the bass part like this can you play the drums like that and you know um, i want a cello in it and you put it together and it doesn't work it's like well of course it doesn't work because you haven't been out there to experience it. And that is, the that is, I think, so sort of inverse imposter syndrome where they have all of the ideas. They think they should be this wonderful creator. Mm. And they definitely could be, but they just need to be out there a bit more. And I, I recognise that because I think I was one of those probably 10 years ago. Right. I could play. I've always mm. been able to play the piano and, you know, well enough to earn money from it. But what I thought I could do didn't necessarily reflect what I could do. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think one of
0: the things, well a couple of things that are very hard as a creative is one is how you measure yourself and your success and how you measure how good you are and how to develop yourself. And one of those things stems from is that a lot of creatives are just very independent and they don't have the resources to have a team behind them. So They'll run their social media, they'll design their own logos, they'll build their own website, they'll do their own marketing, they'll do their own accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I've often thought, like, if you had, like, a group of creators that did that bit, that serviced... But I suppose that's if signing up. For, I'm just talking about signing up for an agency, aren't I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but the thing is, there's another point in there that you're making mm. that is very, very valid, which is, all of those people need paying. Yeah. If you've if you got individual people, and as a creative person, mm. you don't make enough money to pay the other creative no, people. Yeah, and it doesn't is. matter which person you are mm. in that circle. Uh, you're talking about, what, a dozen different people mm. there, aren't you? It doesn't matter which of those 12 people you are, you can't afford to pay the other 12, the, the, yeah. the other 11. Mm. Yeah,
0: there's half a dozen people there. If, if every creative had half a dozen people behind them, then that's, that's how they end up as a more successful person, don't you? You just you need that backing, and I think mm. the only way people do it to begin with is because people are very generous and do it for free, and that's how yeah, a yeah. beginning artist sets off. And that's also half the problem because because there is no money, people do it for free, but it leads to a pe- perpetuating cycle where a lot of creatives don't get paid.
1: Yes, and, and all it takes really is, is um, the, the person whose project it is in that, in that sense to have another job hmm. and their other job funds their creative work until one day it becomes self-sustaining yeah. or in the hope that it becomes self-sustaining. And 90% of the time that won't happen. Hmm. But for the 10% of people who either through work or fluke manage to get it to yeah. work we'll have a whale of a time.
0: Hmm. And one thing I was going to comment when you were talking about having a break or something, I remember an artist who played uh, King Edward Street Chapel for the acoustic sanitary, John Gom. Yes. And, like, now he's massively famous, but at the time, no-one knew who he was. And all it took was one tweet from Stephen Fry, retweeting, uh, it been to his <laughs> gig, and he said, So this is amazing. And then he had, like, thousands upon thousands of extra followers to wow. stay and was selling out concerts. So.
1: That's terrific, yeah. I was talking to a chap yesterday, actually, a bass player called Steve Taylor, who I've, I've worked with, um, mm. and, and he's a proper businessman as well as a, a bassist. He's, he's not exactly a hobbyist as a bassist because he does pro, you know, pro playing as well, but he has a very business-focused approach to all of his work Yeah, because I had quite a long conversation with him because I went for a two-hour walk with him through the you know through the scenery which actually is another very important thing to talk about for another show, because the amount of inspiration you have when you 're not working mm. which is something Steve mentioned yesterday is incredible
0: well i actually uh prepared this podcast i do it quite regularly actually i went for a swim oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. so i went for a swim and i was swimming along you just have to have something playing in your mind so i had all these ideas playing around in my head whilst i was (laughs) swimming along and kind of unfocused on anything else and then when i was in the coffee shop i just scribbled the load down
1: that is the best time yeah still has a very business focused approach to what he does with his music and he encourages other people to do that and like the, the people he works with mm. he encourages them to think about the broader perspective the context of their music yeah and it does help them move forwards with it
0: yeah that sounds like a good way of considering it you do need um as much as you want to just be a creative and Live in a studio and make your own work and not worry about the business side of things. I don't think most uh, artists are lucky enough to do that, are they?
1: No, they're not. You you either have to be um, willing to put in the time to learn the business side of things, mm. or you have to be willing to pay somebody, or at least at least contact enough people that you can get ideas about about how yeah. to do it. So you are still like you're still you. You're still producing the same stuff, mm. no matter whether. You, you're you playing to a million people or five people or even just, just by yourself. And the only sense that you are not the person you are on stage, I think that's where the, the imposter thing kind of comes in. If you're not quite sure of yourself in the context of your work.
0: Yeah, the imposter syndrome is more about having doubts about your work and it's self-confidence basically, isn't it? It's I think, like...
1: I believe so, yes, yeah.
0: It's like, am I good enough? Who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be writing a book when Shakespeare wrote books and Terry Pratchett wrote books and Douglas Adams and John Cooper Clarke? I mean, compared to them, who am I, you know? I've only sold 20 books. (laughs) Who compared to those great authors, who am I, you know?
1: Indeed. And Um, another
0: thing I was going to mention is it's quite tempting to compare yourself to, like, 10 different artists and be like, oh, I've not done this compared to John Gom, and I've not done this compared to Frank Turner, and I've not done this compared to Monet, and I'm like, <laughs> that's like six different people who've lived full lifetimes, how are you going to yeah, compete with that, all of that, them, you know?
1: That is that is it. You've just got to be the best at doing what you do. Hmm. And like the the and because recording with night, Steve Delight, he's he's um said that he is the best interpreter of Mr. Delight's music. Yeah, definitely. And... He said to me that I'm the best interpreter of Charlie's music Mm. and that is the end of it, Yeah, essentially.
0: Yeah, it's finding your own voice and being your own person is quite a a key thing as a performer, isn't it, definitely?
1: Yeah, and if other people happen to like it, even better. Mm. Yeah, because
0: no one else can have your particular view on the world and your inspirations and your history with music and things. Indeed,
1: it's the combination of... Circumstance mm. and the the inner workings of your of your mind it's 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 what you 've experienced mm. combined with your intuition and there are so many possible permutations of even those you know things like if you wake up on a Monday, the very fact that you know it 's Monday will change the way you mm. think about it, which I think is incredible. <laughs>
0: And getting back to what you're saying, I do think the important thing is is not you can't please everyone. I think was one of the things you're saying. It was like mm. if you work hard enough on the uh, thing that you're creating, I think you will find an audience out there that likes it. These days, you, you can reach an audience like across the globe, so you will find exactly, your yes. particular niche. So your particular niche, these days, can be so you have a particular niche and it's fifty thousand people. That'd be enough to sustain any artist. And you can find that niche, And even if you're a, I don't know, a Swedish painter who drums <laughs> to uh, Alfredo Stemper. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, seriously.
1: I think they actually say, I don't know who they are, but whoever they are, they say that 10,000 fans mm. is enough. Because if you had, I mean, that's probably more than enough, frankly, but if it means that, for example, in my case... If I had 10,000 fans, wherever I played in the UK, I could probably get 100 people turning up to play, yeah. uh, to, to watch, sorry. And if they're paying a tenner each, you know, that more than covers mm. your overheads um, for your business, your expenses for that particular occasion, and some money in your pocket as well. And then every time you put something out on Patreon, you've got people subscribing to that. And all those, every, every time you put a CD out, yeah. you sell that for a tenner. And... Like that is, that's 100,000 a year turnover. That's all you need. But I would say there's significantly less than that. I, I mean, it's very good to have ambitions, of course, yeah. but you don't need all of that. If you're happy with what yeah, you're making. Definitely.
0: Yeah, you can uh, definitely sustain yourself off, I think, an audience of 10,000. And I think a lot of our artists will probably just be happier <laughs> with an audience that size as well.
1: I think so. Well, again, it's less pressure, isn't mm. it? Less pressure, and they're they're more, with their being, true fans, as it were. Mm. They don't care. Yeah. If you do something a bit wacky mm. and off the wall, because like if just you're hate.
0: a musician and then suddenly you want to make a movie about your kids or something, <laughs> they probably would go with it, wouldn't they?
1: You go with it, and then the fans will just go, mm, not sure about that. Yeah. And that's all. That's the feedback mm. you need, essentially.
0: But yeah, I'm yeah. so who are we to be doing this? We're just uh, a couple of creative people. I write poetry, I run a music magazine, I do a TV series with live
1: musicians, play a bit of guitar, and you... I play the piano a bit, mm. well, quite a lot, <laughs> um, in different capacities. I do some composition work. I do quite a bit of tuition, and uh, I have a Patreon, yeah. where, where I'm doing exactly that, mm. that thing of... Putting stuff out, and some people say nice things about it sometimes. I'm and quite a lot
0: videography with that now as well, I suppose.
1: I've been learning to mm. to how to film stuff, and
0: I think that's one of the great things as a creative person. As long as you're continuously pushing yourself to have new skills, like this podcast Goodness, is a yes. brand new skill. And you were saying what you wanted to get out of doing the podcast, weren't you?
1: Yeah, uh, well, and um, exactly because uh, one of the things we were, we were talking about off air, so to speak. Mm. Was that when I'm, when I'm doing a composition, and this is something I put on my Patreon actually um, the other day, I have to create a composition that I can't play yet. Yeah. There has to be some element of that music that is too difficult for me either to work out in my head or to actually be able to physically play
0: mm.
1: because it forces me to be a little bit better each time. It doesn't have to be musically more complex necessarily. It just has to be more difficult. And I think that's the key to creating stuff, isn't it? Mm. If you constantly aim to make something which is a bit better in some way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you can only see a progress, I think, after a year of doing something. Like last year, I could barely fingerpick playing guitar, and now I just do every song I play fingerpicking and can just do it like natural, which if I I told myself that last year, I'd be like, what? (laughs) What sorcery is that? (laughs) And yeah, I guess one of the main things about creatives is the reason you put so many hours into it is because you enjoy it, don't you? And we're basically just two <coughs> blokes with a couple of microphones <laughs> decided we wanted to do a podcast. <laughs> do
1: you know, all all that time that people spend at work going, I hate this, I'm fed up with this, mm. what a waste of time this is. Yeah, but you you choose to do it yeah, because you have to earn money or something, apparently. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm happy to live in a cave, as I say, so I don't need <laughs>
0: So yeah, this it's has it. been our podcast, The Imposters. I've been Mike Chisholm. I'm Charlie Unrod. And yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed this first one. Uh, hopefully it wasn't a bit too rough. Well, I've had a whale of a time. <laughs> the future ones on might on be six. a bit more structured, I don't know. And we'll see you next time.